0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Stories from the CRISPR Drawer. This is episode 9 of season 2, Suicidal Salami, which I don't think I've used that name before and I'm fairly certain it's going to stay that way after this episode. So today we're... I I don't really have much of a script today, to be honest. It's just sort of like, whatever I want to cover, and I think I promised last time I was going to talk a little bit more about me being young, so I'll see where I can fit that in. But... um. I posted on Jaws Consortium today how things have just been very busy because my last episode went up on June. Jeez. Uh, it was uh, like June 5th or something like that. Yeah, June 5th. So it's been yeah uh, <laughs> quite a bit of time 17 days since my last episode, which is a little bit longer than I wanted to do. At least I'm getting two off a month. And this is the ninth episode of season two. Which, season one only had 18 episodes in, so, you know, if we keep the production schedule for me being alone, that doesn't work out uh, too badly, actually. That works okay. So, um, what's been going on in the world? So, we've got the whole um, limpet mines in the Gulf of Oman, and two tankers being damaged, and then the video of the Iranians doing stuff, and the Iran Iran shot down in MQ-4, which is Like, uh, it's not a global hawk, but it's a derivative of the global hawk for the Navy. Um, And then we have the escalation and the de-escalation. And then we had uh, Donald Trump doing, uh, like, the uh, deportation order for immigrants, only to quickly rescind it later. In politics, that's, like, a little strange. Um, I don't really know what I think too much about that. Um, the Iranian thing, it's like, I'm of two minds of it, where it's like, if Iran did this, if like, evidence comes out that they were actually doing it, you know, international community needs to do something. However, if they did do it, and we do nothing, it embolts them. If we, there is like this, there's a point where we can go, in the international community, get out, and deal with this, like, how Iran is doing this. Grant, if this is Iran. I'm not saying it's not, it's just... Since I've become more libertarian, I've been more skeptical about reasons to go to war. Like I keep thinking back to the Gulf of Tonkin incident. Now this looks more truthful that Iran did it. But why? This is the thing I'm always stuck on. Like, what does what benefit does Iran have to start a war with the United States? <clears throat> I mean, the United States right now has a president who's a popular and is seen as a hothead, but it's actually largely scaled back military operations and you know done things to actually reduce war conflict, specifically dealing with North Korea. I don't know about much more than that. I don't think he's really helped China with the whole spying and Huawei and sort of things like that, but, uh, well, that's something I don't have much expertise in besides from looking out over it and being like, oh, there's some evidence here, there's some evidence not here, and, you know, China would commit statecraft actions, as does the United States, as does Russia, as does many nations. Canada probably commits statecraft uh, espionage as well to various both allied and enemy powers and neutral powers to a degree. I'd be surprised if we didn't. Like, I would not be surprised if we learned we're spying on countries that are sort of friends of ours. I'd be more surprised if we weren't. You know what they say: keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Um, but I keep going back to the Gulf of Tonkin about how that was a justified escalation of the Vietnam War, and how um, it turns out that wasn't truthful stuff. And then you go and think about the Iranian Air Flight Six Fifty Five and that, or Six Sixty Five. I can't remember. Is Six Fifty Five or Six Sixty Five? Uh, it's you know, how that one was definitely seen as uh, could, could have been a justification for increasing conflict, but luckily cooler heads prevailed. And that was considerably more dangerous of an event in a more radicalized time of Iran. But Iran didn't have the threat of nuclear weapons back then. But this is where I don't understand, like, okay, Iran gets nukes, and it just becomes a bully regionally. Do you think that that's not going to mean that more countries are going to attempt to get said nuclear weapons? Like, Saudi Arabia might try to get a nuclear program. Our Israel has a nuclear program. They'll never tell anyone they do it, but we know they did it because the United States provided their first fissile materials via um, the Savannah River depo- uh, repository, I believe it, that's what it's called. and Savannah River power Plant. So we know that's where uh, some of the warhead material that Israel has. No doubt that those materials have been retired and have decayed. Probably Israel has their own fish, uh, fission and probably uh, making their own nuclear material in their reactors. <coughs> in fact, I'm fairly certain they are. But it comes into this weird thing of like, what do they have to gain? Okay, you kick the United States out of the Persian Gulf, and and you now think that the other players in the region aren't going to try to do something. I mean, yes, if you have the nuke, you become a big guy, but. The reason Iran got the nukes is because they were scared of the big guy, the United States. And you think that other countries won't take that as a way of like, well, Iran got nukes and they aren't being treated badly by the U.S., so maybe we should get nukes and we can do what we want. It doesn't seem like a good long-term issue. And I think this is the problem with countries where they have theocratic um, governments where once you get religious, uh, this level of religiosity and zealotry into the top tiers of government— you really can justify anything you do by thinking, like, oh, God is on your side, which is a, a, a terribly scary way to rule the world and rule your people and make just international decisions. Like, well, we can blow these guys up because God's on our side and the retribution is justified or whatever. And it's like, that's kind of terrifying when you think about it. That's really terrifying that people think that way. So, you know, we'll see, like... So far, cooler heads have prevailed by not escalating it any further, but <clears throat> only time will tell, and that's all we can do. <sighs> I mean, it seems like every month Iran's doing something stupid. If if everything is to believe be believed at face value, I highly doubt there's a conspiracy here, but it just looks it's just convenient in a way. <sighs> and you know, there's that, and then the whole illegal immigration thing, which is like. Okay, so you go from deporting to canceling the order in like 24 hours or something like that? Alright, well. And then you get stupid people on the left and the right making all these dumb decisions and now you've got the threat of uh, Google and all these mega tech companies getting regulated and you know, you got a, you got journalists like Tim Pool who are more, more centrist and more believe in like the uh, absolute constitution and about how but they do believe the government has a role in government regulation Re- with regards to speech can only guarantee it freer. And I'm I'm of the stance where anytime the government gets involved under any definition that they want to say, it actually makes things worse in the long run. And what I mean by that is I, I would disagree with Tim Poole about the U.S. government regulating tech industries under the grounds of free speech is a way for the United States to for governments to justify intervention into organizations based on their perception of free speech, and as we, uh, I, we don't see it as much in in uh, the U.S. But in Canada, how the government the government here, Graham, we don't have true freedom of speech here in Canada. We sort of do, but it can be it can be uh, it's a lot more. Um, measured in what uh, you can say and how the government can actually restrict that in Canada versus the United States, which has theoretically infinite free speech. But every time the government is challenged on it, they make sort of these little caveats, well, hate speech and all this. And there are are good things, like speech that incites violence directed at people is definitely not good and should be criminal. But you don't say, oh, we're going to charge them with incitement of violence and then hate speech. You just say, well, these people incited violence. It's sort of like this stupid thing of um, I don't know if Calgary still has this law um, bylaw actually where brandishing a uh, using an airsoft gun or a toy gun in a crime is a separate criminal charge. I'm like, just charge them as if like if somebody took a Tokyo Mario or uh, a G and G M4 style um, rifle and robbed a bank and the police arrested them. I would say charge them as if they used a real weapon. Charge them as if that uh, airsoft gun was a fully automatic real firearm. Because the police don't know. Why charge them with brandishing a toy? Why make that a separate charge? Char- because then his lawyer is going to say, well, because he didn't use a r- real gun, we can drop the assault with a deadly weapon thing to like just assault. I'd be like, no, they used a real gun. They used a fake gun. In spot of a, in place of a real gun to make the same fear of if it was the real gun therefore listening that response <laughs> and that's you know as an airsoft enthusiast I like well as an airsoft gun collector not enthusiast of playing it that's how I find out if somebody uses an airsoft gun to commit a crime charge them as if it was a real gun if they use a scar 17h like you know the scar heavy the as if it was a U.S. military scar-heavy with full automatic capability to rob a bank, charge them with that. And if the courts say, well, it's not a real gun, it's like, well, yeah, but did you know until after it was in your possession? If you pointed at cops and cops shot him dead, they would be in the right, because you don't know if that is a real gun or not until you have it. And that's just my that's my opinion on it as somebody who buys airsoft guns and is pro gun ownership like I would love to own a belt-fed PKM that's fully automatic. I would love to own that. But if you commit crime, you need to be punished at the maximum extent that you can prove. That doesn't mean the state should maximally like and this is a weird thing where it's like I don't think the state should have these tricks to make sure they get the maximum conviction out of people i think it is the you absolutely have to prove intent like if a guy gets pulled over and he happens to have an airsoft gun in the car you don't charge him with transporting an illegal firearm you try you say oh go about your day and the officer was wrong here but if he used it in robbery of a bank it's like well that's meant to intimidate and fear and cause people to fear for their lives that's a different level and it's true, context matters in everything and you know. So so I don't know where I was going with that, but essentially it's about how um you know, you, you don't want to make these separate classes. You just you should theoretically punish people based on what they intended to do. Which is why I also have a thing of why I've, Drug distribution. Is, even though I understand, like you know, the opioid crisis in Canada is apparently pretty big. Apparently, Eleven people in Canada die a day, according to uh, statistics uh, of the government of Canada about opioid deaths, and that's terrible. And I understand the desire of we need to regulate, we need to overpunish people who are distributing opia opioids, and stuff like that. And I under I understand that, like you know, we we don't want people dying of drugs. Unfortunately. As terrible as the sound, there will always be somebody dying of some vice somehow. And I think the thing is, is that um, you need to, re- we need to reduce the stigma affecting people so they are getting help. And the other problem is that, unfortunately, um, s- certain help programs that are funded by the government aren't funded well enough, or have a point of like, okay, you're good, we don't need to do this anymore, or they're too. Um, Like everybody, sort of needs a special touch in a way of how to be dealing with these things, and how it seems that the government detoxes don't. Like, I have no evidence to say this, this, but two of my friends um, from high school who did suffer from uh, alcohol, one suffered from alcohol addiction, and the other suffers from alcohol addiction. Like you never really get over. And the other one was always getting high in cannabis, and both have cleaned up. They went to, they didn't like the local detoxes didn't work. In fact, one of them actually volunteered and worked at one of the local detoxes. Instead, they go to a fancy private uh, clinic that actually helped them and is still helping them. And it makes you wonder, like, why, are, why is the private clinic so much better? And why are the private ones seem to be working when the public ones don't seem to be working? I don't know. I'm not an expert in that field, so I can't really say. I just know that those two anecdotal um, cases go that way are there some cases where the public one the public uh, government funded ones are working fine There probably definitely are and i say probably definitely like there definitely are cases where that has worked where people have been able to work that way but everybody's different and i think the one size fits all which government loves to do doesn't work and i think the reason why private ones do is they have the flexibility to develop custom ones they don't have to, they are funded very through various different means that allows them to allocate their budgets differently when you have government involved the government tries to justify spending this exact same on everybody no matter what or at least creating age range brackets and these like you know these demographic brackets that they fit you in and that's how much they should spend on you here and there at ultimate socialism that's probably as far as they're willing to go um, but yeah jeez i'm getting all over the place here But it's sort of thing of, like, I'm pro-drug legalization, like, pro-decriminalizing it. I'm not saying that this is where I would have come differently from the uh, government uh, that Justin Trudeau has of um, legalizing marijuana would have been the regulation industry of it. Considering how the regulation of marijuana has actually stifled the publicly available, like, legal supply chain, it doesn't seem like it actually got rid of the criminal element here. And my thing is, if you're going to decriminalize it, anyone who's in prison for purely possession or distribution should be released. Because distribution now is a tax crime. It's not really a criminal offense. I mean, the, the, police, could, the police and the prosecutors can say, well, it's still a criminal offense because of X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. I, I understand and I also disagree where I think, I think somebody selling uh, marijuana is inherently less dangerous than somebody who robbed a bank and shouldn't spend any t- shouldn't spend more time in jail and shouldn't be hard to turn a hard hardened criminal but that's just me that's completely just me and you know that's really a, a, of the soapbox i want to get up on today i think that's pretty much about it i mean there there are some various things like uh <clears throat> i don't know there's some politics going on in alberta that i'm not like i haven't been paying attention since the election our premier did something stupid, like passing out neon-colored earplugs to at a late uh, legislature session, so that we they didn't the ruling party didn't have to listen to the opposing party, the opposition party's questions. Like it just, it's like, don't do shit like that. And This is kind of like why I was on the fence of like I can vote conservative, but Kenny he just he 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 irks me. Like here's the thing, I want less government overall. And the conservatives were supposed to do this, and they've done some good things. But I do understand from my friend's point of view, is where it's like, well, they're only giving the tax breaks are only really affecting the make major corporations. And I think there is a problem both in, bi- in the business world and in the government world where people don't understand um, how corporations can be owned by small individuals, and how it seems like the corporation is such a big thing, like they're helping the big mega corps, and it's like. Sometimes they are and sometimes the corp that they're helping, the corporation they're helping is like five people working together. And it's worth um worth investigating that. And I do understand why people can be critical of that and I also understand why people can say well gov- businesses should be given as many tax breaks as possible because they are income creators and job creators and I mean as a libertarian you don't really want any taxation or you want as minimal as freaking possible in my point of view there are still roles that government has to play like courts you absolutely need to have impartiality on as close as you can but even governments aren't impartial it's kind of, it's 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 this weird uh weird mix but I don't like any culture warrior or listen you know man nah, man nah, man we won and we got to play this way it's like either be professional or get off the freaking stage is my sort of feel about it, and and that's how I feel about the Alberta government. I, I it was like friends who were complaining about how conservatives were right wing and sounded like Nazis. It's like, you know, you you guys have your own certain thing. Like one of my other, um, like a Facebook friend haven't talked to them in years. Posted about how um how the threat of collective bargaining, like how Kenny's gonna move on. Uh, I think it was Bill's. C sixty nine or something like that (coughs) against uh, collective bargaining or basically open up like the union bargaining things to public uh, debate or whatever. I I, actually I don't even know if that's what it is. Um, Let me see what happened. It was uh, yeah two days ago. Um, Oh yeah, uh, Bill nine debate earplugs thing. So I'm in this weird position where that's stupid. That's that's abs that's kinda disrespectful. And Bill Nine is to impose a lay on wage talks for unionized workers who took pay freezes in the first year of their contract truck, but had the right to reopen pay negotiations this year with arbitration if needed. That's apparently the uh, the issue. And that's the thing is, like, you know, the government says we'll be, the delay will happen until November. Uh, the NDP and the unions say, well, arbitration will never take case and wage cuts may happen early this fall. Early as uh, this fall. This is how I kind of feel about it is like, so government needs to exist within the confines of the um, the money raised by the citizenry that it serves. And if the government is creating a debt, is has a deficit and is creating debt. Um, I, should people being paid be paid as much as uh, you know? If you're working for the government and you're getting paid highly because your union, your union job is paying you a lot, but the government's going into debt, I guess the question is: Well, services need to be cut, uh, purchases need to be cut, and maybe your wage needs to be frozen, or maybe it needs to be downgraded. And I get the idea of like, well, inflation's always going up, so you always got to have pay raises. But it's like the, the the old days was if you you work for the government, um, like uh, here's the thing: you what was it? You work for the government for security, not to make it rich. If you're working for the government and you're making it rich, and you have security, you're playing like the game is being completely played incorrectly and i wanted to write to my friend on on facebook like listen here's the thing you have a career in gov- in the government sector you have security you will you should never have extreme wealth and by that i mean i, I can get how some people should be getting six figure salaries the under the government but a guy who takes care of bike lanes rides bike lanes to make sure they're okay shouldn't be that person and same for people who are doing walking paths there are people who deserve that and there's people who absolutely don't and when more employees of the government uh if you did a one-to-one ratio which of course you can't do because per capita the government is considerably smaller than private corporations but when you have if you took a thousand people from government and a thousand people working if it was fifty percent Actually, you know, let's let's stop this comparison because I'm just gonna dig myself into a hole that I actually can't explain away. But it's sort of a thing of like government employees shouldn't be consistently higher than the Lico Canada. Like I understand being above it, but they shouldn't be spore- like really high above it, especially since they are a smaller organization. And you know, I I. I get this whole thing... And I, I really do... Like... I'm not, not happy about this... <laughs> and uh, it's sort of this thing of... Optics are... Uh, not really... Are sort of everything... And the way his attitude... Jason Kenny's attitude about it all... Like passing out bright pink neon earplugs... It just seems... It just seems tacky... And like... Out of place for somebody's head of government... I would expect to see that at, I'm not kidding you, a a community association meeting because those can be pieces of shit meetings sometimes or, you know, like a really stupid meeting about like, you know, PTA or like, you know, an organization that really thinks it's important, but absolutely has no importance whatsoever. And that was sort of thing or a group that's really arrogant, like uh, a couple of those, uh, city council videos, you'd see from um, the Victoria City Council where it's like, oh, we're going to talk this way, and it's like, you're listening, There, I was like, do these people even know who they work for? And I guess Seattle city government is a similar way of, like, you know, just demeaning of how some councilors are demeaning to the people who ask them questions. And when you see that, it's like, (sighs) just disgusting. And, you know, that's that's probably the end of my soapbox. I just... (sighs) Yeah, I I see limited stuff going on. And um one good one good thing to put out is that it has been 1 year since Patreon uh since Liberty Memes Patreon account started, so I'm happily has been supporting them for a considerable period of time. Not a full year, but probably close to a half year I've been funding them and I'm you know, I'm happy to give them the help and I you know, now with my career turning a little bit up even though I'm way more busy than I want to be. Anyway, it's it's quite cool um, that I'm able to provide them more and more money uh, to help them do what they want to do. And I'm one of these guys who's like, I don't care if, uh, if the if dad men and uncle men take a cut for, as a salary. They're providing a service that they deserve to... They totally deserve to be f- compensated for the service they're providing. I don't know um, who came across that like all the Patreon money was definitely going to go to charity completely. I know that a good portion of it has... And they've actually been really good, like, libertarians and helping volunteerism in action and stuff like that. So, you know, if if you're a liberty-minded person, join up, uh, like their page, like Liberty Memes on Facebook, jo- join their community group, and join their Patreon group by b- funding them on Patreon. And they are just, they are awesome. I I, I am vent- I'm going to reach out to them someday and just have, like, a fun, like, polite message with them just saying, like, thanks for all you do, you know, sort of thing. And you know, oh, well, what else should I go into? So so I posted on Joe's Consortium uh earlier today about how busy like uh, I've been and how it's slowed things down. I don't even remember what the fucking title of the post was. Let me just see. It'll be funny. Apparently swearing if I made a video on uh so yeah, um I, I was saying like how I've, I've gotten busy. Um another thing was uh how it's just been, you know, I was gonna discuss E3 and I guess like one thing I could say is that uh I watched E3. I watched uh I watched Jenna Bain and uh Jim Sterling cover E three on uh, Jenna's uh face um Twitch page, Twitch channel, which was actually really fun to watch. They were pretty good. Um it was weird watching it uh through them because I didn't watch all of them live. Um Bethesda was just like an odd show. Um <coughs> and and it was just like what the heck is going on here sort of thing and i don't know it it just like kind of like i watched uh yeah i said i was going to watch some stuff and <laughs> And it was just like, it was a weird, um, it was just, it was just really, really, really strange how, uh, well, I was watching them like the Bethesda show was just sad because it didn't really feel that, that, um, absolutely great, uh, And it was just like, it was like, what the f- what the frick is going on here in this world? Um. So obviously, stuff has been going uh, strange. <laughs> in that case, like, uh, Xbox was kind of good because it had the most amount of gameplay. Sony not being there made it weird. Even though Sony did drop a bunch of stuff earlier, like at the end of May, to really kind of like line stuff up, saying like, here's what he's gonna do. So we know when like the new, we know when the new stuff is coming out. We know that. Xbox and Sony's new console will be holiday season 2020. Uh, Nintendo Direct was kind of good for the stuff they had. Um, Squirt Unix, uh, their show was actually kind of interesting, which was cool to watch. Um, but it, it does feel like E3 sort of dying in a way. And I think it's because like N- Nintendo Direct, which uh, started under um, oh God, Irrawada... Like, just made way more sense to run. And it just felt more honest about what they were doing. Like, it's just like, here, we're going to tell you in these pre-made things, these pre-made videos, like these made-ahead-of-time videos, what our plan is and what's going to show up. And obviously, who won E3 this year was 2020 because of all the games that are supposed to come out then, which is uh, pretty funny. Um... So yeah, that was there was that. Um, now we've got uh, you know it it was it was kind of cool. What else was there? Um, I forget who else was really at E three. Um, Ubisoft didn't really. I watched that. It was kind of interesting. I missed some of it. Uh, seemed to a lot of Tom Clancy stuff and a lot of weird stuff. Um, <coughs> Uh, missed the EA one. Bethesda was weird. Uh, Square Unix. I didn't watch Devolver Digital's one, which was apparently... was really funny again this year. And, like, all three of them have to... all three years in a row have to be watched because it kind of sets stuff up. And then I didn't watch the PC Gaming Show, which AMD puts on. And respect to AMD of just how amazing their products have started to become recently. Like, how crazy... Like, they're really... Putting it to, um, they're really, really, really freaking putting it to um, to Intel, just how busy they are, and uh, and how how great their processors are going to become. And I was like, I was considering, I, I I'm pretty fairly certain I said this uh, either in November or December. And I was planning to build a new PC. And now with all the stuff going on, I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to hold out till late summer to build a new PC because I'm going to see if any Intel SKUs go down in cost, uh, in price, I mean. And what other stuff comes out? Like, are we going to see new video cards soon? Not that I really want a new video card. I mean, for my beast, I'd love to, but I could easily just move my 1080 into it um, and put my 980 back in my current rig as a video editing and video processing rig because it doesn't need as much power as the, my gaming rig theoretically would need which also doesn't need too much power in it and then yeah that was something i was planning to work on i've just been very slow i haven't gotten my uh, hdmi switching unit yet haven't gotten my capture card system yet which is uh, really annoying i'm now finally making enough money to do that stuff and i'm not doing anything with it and like this is the thing of i'm working too like my two jobs are just going you know just eating up time and stuff doesn't seem to ever work well where it's like I want to work at one more and want to work at the other less and then like something goes wrong at once and now I'm stuck being there and then it's, it's this weird feeling and, I, and I don't, I'm not saying oh boohoo Justin like you're busy life is crazy it's just sort of been slow in the way of like me wanting to create stuff. I come home, and I'm tired. Now, that being said, one thing that has been going on is um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on the Switch, which I really, really, really come back into. <coughs> I played a lot. Now, I played it for a bit, like, off and on for the first year and a half I had it, and then I haven't touched it in a while. I don't know why. I think I just, like, I got to a point where I felt stuck. I wasn't really going anywhere in the game, and it's like I wasn't getting anything, and then all of a sudden, like, uh, two weeks ago, I'm like, I need to play this game again. I'm gonna sit down and play this game. Like as much as a good amount of time as I possibly can. So I've now put a lot of time into it. Like a lot of time into Xenoblades. And it's been very, 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 very fun to play. It's been very fun for me to put that time into. Now I'm not saying that I've I'm <laughs> I've put a lot of time. I've put over 80 hours into the game so far. And I'm only on Chapter 7. I just started Chapter 7. So, things have been going well. And I only have five of the rare blades left that require random spawns. All the rest are dedicated uh, core uh, core crystal spawns from dedicated sources. So, I'm trying to get those down, but I have too many blades spawned right now. So, now I have to... Like, I have to play the game of, like, despawning a bunch of regular blades to spawn these special blades, and it's like, oh, gosh, this is this is weird and awkward, but I'll have to start doing that, that again because I'm maxed out by how many blades I can actually transport around. And it's kind of annoying because if I despawn a blade, they might have a technique I actually, I need. And it's like, well, now I have to play the game of spawning core crystals to hopefully find one. And it's like, uh And, of course, the ones I can't have are, like, in my save file are, like, or whatever the heck it's, however it determines the percentages, are like some of the lowest percentage ones I can possibly search for, like 0.015% or something like that chance of spawning. I'm like, oh god, I don't know how many freaking core crystals I want to do, or get like a mercy core. I don't know if I even can anymore. I might have used up all my mercy throws. So I've been playing that, and you know, I, I really got lost in it. It's really good. Like the game... The music is great. The environments are very nice. The aesthetic of the game is quite fun. <laughs> the only real annoying thing is like the lip-syncing. It's just off. Which is funny, because Xenoblade Chronicles X doesn't seem to have the lip-syncing issue that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 has. Maybe it was just like the amount of time they were able to put into it. Maybe it was the development cycle. Maybe it was various other things. I don't know. Um, I'm not privy to any of that information, so all I could say is it's... It, it wasn't as noticeable, but I think it's also the fact that there is um, way more dialogue in this game at more often, and the dialogue that seems to happen in Xenoblade Chronicles X are seem to be better set up and timed better. I don't know. Maybe that's just my experience. I need to beat Xenoblade Chronicles X too. I'm most of the way through that game, and then I decided to start um, new game plus for God of War um, on the PlayStation Four. Man, that's that's again a real enjoyable experience. I, knowing a lot, and even though it's been a while since I played the original playthrough, it's really fun to go back and play that again. Like, just really, really, really fun. And I'm just gonna spin my twirly hat here for a second. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So so there's that's been going on really. Um, what else? I did have a kick to play Smash Bros. for a while, just doing the uh, Spirit Board stuff, trying to get them done, and uh, upped. And, you know, that, the reason I switched to Xenoblades is because that felt like a, actually, starting to grind. Like I was just doing it to get the grind down, and now it's like, okay, I can get back into it. I still got to play some more Spider-Man, even though I built uh, Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4. I... The original mode, um, the main story, which was, again, great. and I said that, uh, that. and I've been doing... Um, I have the three DLC uh, quests, not quests, you um, yeah stories. I've only started one, so it'd be cool to keep playing them. Uh, haven't played much on the Xbox lately. It's sort of this thing of, like, I have an Xbox One X, and I have Game Pass and all this, and I play the games, and I'm just like... They're not gripping me. And it's because like the Xbox games I loved were on the 360. And it's because it was like... I don't know, maybe it was Couch Co-op, or maybe the stories were better, or maybe it was just like the time and investment was into it, and maybe it's become like the games I want to play I really feel the urge to play are PC or Switch games, or I don't know, for some reason, they're easier to get on PlayStation for some reason. Maybe not. Maybe it's also the fact that... <coughs> That um, <laughs> because I have Game Pass, I'm more willing to play Game Pass free games versus paying a ninety, paying eighty bucks Canadian for a game. <clears throat> it's, it's just one of these things, and then I, you know, seeing various various other things and planning for various other, th- other stuff, and you know, more stuff to come in the future, and hopefully I can spend more time doing what I want and reducing my stupid fucking stress about all this bullshit involving two companies that, you know, it is serious stuff, and I can't say any more than that, and people who know who I am uh, directly sort of understand what I'm going through, and some do and some don't. It's just, it's more of this thing of one boss is very experienced in the world, and the other one, it's his first time being like a boss of a company versus being an employee, so he's doing everything by a corporate book that he learned when he worked for somebody else who wasn't like, you know, was his supervisor, but wasn't an owner of the company. And it's sort of like he does these knee jerk reactions that maybe in a big company, but he, in a small department that really didn't matter too much or didn't have huge oversight. Cause it wasn't like this big bang of a department. It makes sense. But in the company that's got four employees, it's like, your decision-making is like your your knee-jerk reaction decision-making is kind of seems fishy and flawed <clears throat> i don't know i we'll see how that evens out because i do want to spend like i i do want this not to be a career but to be like a side thing a side thing i can do all the time and just have fun with it and just dedicate my time to it And not feel burned out doing so. Instead, I'm burned out at my other two jobs before I even get here to do this. And then it takes me like a week and a half to get my energy and my motivation back up by having fun and doing that. And of course, not having a a co-host, which is my fault completely. Uh, here all the time, or, or on dedicated days where me and him can go ahead, and also having these this random schedule where I I know I work one job two days a week, but then it's always asking like, can I put more time? And it's like, well, you see my other schedule, so no, you can't. It's just it's 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 this weird weird feeling of like people who have worked two jobs know that that more often than not neither boss cares about the other company. It's like they don't care that you're working at another place f- three times a week, filling up the rest of your week, because when you started here at, at job X, you started you were originally working at job X, and then you got a job, a two-shifts-a-week job at Y. And now Y is busy enough, they want you doing more shifts, but you still have those three dedicated shifts you are always doing at X. It's like, well, I'm doing three days at X, and I'm doing two days at Y, and... Some weeks I'm doing four days at X and two days at Y, so then I only have one day. Some days I'm doing everything at X and Y, and I got two days at Y. And, you know, y- you see my my X schedule. Why are you asking me to come in on X days when you know I'm working at X? It's just like you don't care, and, of course, you know, it goes vice versa. X doesn't care when you're working at Y and Y doesn't care when you're working at X, and they just think, oh, well, you know, you should be doing 40 hours a week for us no matter what. It's like, well, now you're working two jobs, and they both think you should be putting in 40 hours at both of them, so now you, they want you to put in 80 hours a week. And it's like, and one job doesn't work weekends, and one job does have weekends, and it's just like, Egh. And I sound like a brat for saying that, but, you know, I understand people who have that. Like, it's not that I'm slammed for hours. It's just, it's tiring going from one job to the other and one job cares. And the other job is like, I I don't even know how to put it. Like there's a way that there's things I could say that would make sense in my head, but I don't think they would make sense in real life. It's like, okay, that works. So there's that. Like it is slowing down my work on this and it's slowing down other things. And it just, (sighs) when I come home from job, Y, I feel really tired. Job X, not so much, but job Y, I just, you know, I'm I'm on my feet eight hours all day, standing in front of stuff, doing things, and, you know, there's not really break times, really, like, you know, I get told, like, by the boss, oh, I'm gonna take a break, but then when I take a break, I get mouthed off at, because it's like, oh, you're too slow today, it's like, oh, nothing really pleases you, does it? And it's 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 a hard thing and you know people who have made the successful jump from working a regular job or a conventional job, I guess I should say to YouTuber live stream podcaster you know anything in the new media, which I wish looking back I should have gotten in on this way earlier, <laughs> way fucking earlier. I don't think I miss this ship because there's always more ships coming, but I don't know which one to jump in on. <clears throat> not really that intelligent to make those decisions and do that uh maybe i'm self-deprecating myself to a degree but you know it it, it really does slow down and, and takes away your time and it's like oh man what am i gonna do with my life and you know there's stuff like that so yeah ending that little stupid rant about work and issues and because I know everybody who has other things they would rather be doing than work and but you got to make money to pay the bills and this is the beautiful thing is like actually I have been making considerably more money in a shorter period of time so you know I'm talking about nearly tripling my monthly pay (laughs) so that's been actually kind of good so I do want to start dedicating and throwing uh, but slowing down on what I've been wasting money on and spending money on uh, to a degree (laughs) There are things like you know, I I got a new vehicle. Um, I don't know. I said, you know, I haven't told anybody I got a new vehicle, or the people person I know got know I have a new vehicle. It's not something I've discussed on this, but getting that and making the payments on that is, you know, it it digs into you a little bit, but it's like that portion of my pay is smaller than it would have been if I was driving my old vehicle and working my old job, which would have paid less, so. You know, things work out in the end. Hopefully. And then, uh what else am I thinking of? I don't know. I don't know how my, my freaking website got... My IP address got seen as fucking abusive. <coughs> it seems weird. All I ever do is watch YouTube videos and <coughs> write the occasional blog post here. Here. And upload videos and type on Google Chrome. Like holy crap, if my, uh, uh, I think it becomes a question of like what did my roommate do or what did somebody who had access to my Wi-Fi do? I'll have to change my Wi-Fi passwords eventually. Uh, probably will be doing that soon. <clears throat> Gotta put money into that too now. <laughs> great, great, great. But yeah, I think that's that's I think that's pretty good. I mean I do have some dead time here on this episode because of this <laughs> discovering my IP is banned from accessing my website for some fucking reason that's really fucking funny <laughs> but yeah what else have I been doing Um, in my mind what else have I done that really has caught up with me Um, at least in my thought processes that have been worth discussing and talking about hmm. I don't know It's it's been like June has been a weird month in my head uh, like I've had I've had visions of stuff I want to work on or like visions of projects I want to do and other things it's been like get out there and do it and then I I, it either like is time to start planning and then all of a sudden I get busy doing something else or it's been just like is it worth going that way is it worth even trying it and you know how this goes. It's like you start thinking like, well, is it worth it? You start doing the doubt thing. And then next thing you know, you're not doing it. And this is how it was for, like, I want to put an episode up last week. Like, I honestly wanted to put an episode up for like the 14th. You know, which, you know, that's uh, just over a week ago. And I should have. I fucking should have put an episode up last weekend at the latest. And it just was so... Tired and burned up with everything else going on, it just felt like no, oh, no, no. I can't do it. I just can't do it. And you know, you you do as a person. You do need like time to think about yourself and do your own things. And I don't know. it Just it eats through you. It really does eat through you in ways. But. Yeah more stuff is coming in the future hopefully and i can keep working on these projects and keep planning out my next my next pathway and my next plan and i i just i you know i can only plan for to do stuff i can only plan whether i i succeed in them or not is as a different endeavor and it's worth trying but i think i feel like i've done pretty good and you know june 22nd 2019 it's it's been a it's been an interesting run so far and I'm turning 30 soon so this is going to be an interesting uh interesting point in my life almost being three decades old is you know it really makes you wonder thing oh yeah so yeah let's uh let's end that let's jump to uh something I remember from my past so I I know a few weeks ago uh almost over a month ago actually uh yeah, yeah, well yeah, over a month ago. Uh shark in an orange, a trip down memory lane. So that's two episodes back, so that was episode seven. <laughs> um, it was sort of like, you know, I get where I'm coming from in my life of um you know, me and my friends playing N sixty four, playing um uh, playing GameCube, playing tag, playing kick the can, grounders. Um I didn't really discuss going to um my second school uh, well, I guess I sorted it. I, I I sort of did the brief of grade six um, which was weird uh, so grade seven was grade seven like, like let's do um, a quick quick basis of grade seven eight nine like what's considered junior high in Canada and I know um, the United States and different areas in Canada have different views of junior high or like middle school and stuff like that um, but it was it was that was probably the grade seven and grade nine were and just because of how people mature, they are generally some of the hardest years of school because everyone's trying to find the, the clique and fit in and do stupid things and, or do cool things and try to be the cool kids. And, you know, you get stuck in the, the, you know, it's, it's kind of weird where like the high school drama really in, in Canada, at least in my point of view, like the high school drama didn't happen in high school for us. Like it really happened in my age group, my class, uh, my graduating class, most of us knew each other from grade 7 onward and how much of that was, um, how much of that system was created in grade 7, 8, and 9, and that was where most of the drama and controversy and bullshit happened. And how I was, like, fucked up as a person in grade 9, like, you know, no drugs, no alcohol, no f- things, but my brain and my, like, my attitude towards myself and others was just, like, garbage. I was garbage. <laughs> I make fun of it now, because I can fucking make fun of it now. Um, and this is where I say to people like who say they're having a hard time, I'm like, you know, get a sense of humor. <laughs> Look up comedians who make you laugh. Like, find a relaxing out of life, um, of the crap. Something that's that's going to make you laugh, something that's going to give you fun. And I know this is not a, ca- like a this doesn't work for people who have... This probably won't work for people with chronic depression, and there's various other things. But, you know, if you're just dealing with, like, the drama of life, having a healthy escape, and I want to use the word healthy there, is probably good. And I don't know if my comedy is exactly healthy, but it helped. It really did, really did help afterwards. And this recovery really only started post-grade 10. But grade 7, 8, 9, um, you know, it was at this private school after discovering... In grade five, that I have a learning disability. Well, actually, sort of grade four, grade five, getting it confirmed. I'm like, let's go. My parents were like, and I said in the last episode, like I went to a new school, which was designed to help kids with learning disabilities. Anyway, <laughs> first year, a lot of the guy, a lot of the people I knew, like, uh, were in different classes or reintegrated into the public school system. I have no idea what happened to the reintegrators at all. No idea whatsoever. And I kind of wish I still kept contact with them. Like, this is one of the things where if Facebook had existed in 2001, it would have been cool. At least to keep in contact with some of these people. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But granted, you don't really keep in contact with people in high school, post high school. If you are, it's like you either had a deep bond, which unfortunately it seems like most of my friends, we sort of did, but like, you know, it became sort of a, Hey, let's hang out. Sure, and then radio silence, or like, hey, bro, I got um, I got this weekend off. You got this weekend off? Yeah, yeah. Let's hang out. Let's uh, think. Sure, I'll I'll get back to you. I'll tell you when I got time. And then like six weeks go by, and it's nothing. Like, hey, man, you want to? Uh, you know, I noticed that you've got i uh, I've I noticed you've been playing t- Terraria on Steam. How about we join up and play on a server together? Not even worthy of a message. And I don't know if that's because they're busy or if it's because it's like, oh, I'm maybe we don't have the same like interests and views anymore, and that that definitely happens. So I'm not begrudging any of my friends who you know separated and went their own ways and decided like, ah, it's not worth it. Where that I I totally get that. And the same thing is like I nobody I knew in elementary school my friends with anymore. It's not like we hate each other. It's just everyone drifts apart and you do you drift apart and sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad sometimes one friend you really like turns out he goes heavily on the drugs and hates police because he did something really stupid and you know he sort of deserved what he was getting in that case and then the other times um, (laughs) you know he he was screwed up by his fam and other times it's a kid who's screwed up by his family and substances are the only thing that gets him calm and you know he needs a mentor and that mentor just shits on him and stuff like that and then you get other people who have major issues um, major psychological issues that you would have no idea about them about it until like years after the fact when you're when somebody else met them is like oh yeah they're going through this right now and this is like why they're that way it's like holy shit that's fucking insane and and you start to wonder why, like, oh, okay, that explains some, that fills in some of the gaps, and then you see other things, and it's like, wow, that's that's weird. And then other people, it's like, man, he was so good. Like, why did he effing suffer that way? And, you know, and, and, and this is another thing in high school and school itself, like, you try to put up the best you can be, or you, you, you create a persona of yourself that's a little different. And, I mean, th- this character who I am playing like even though I'm talking about myself and my friends, <laughs> is this sort of a persona? Because you don't know exactly who I am, and there's a reason for anonymity here. Needless to say, um, grade 7 was a weird year. Uh, most of my friends from high school uh, either joined the school in grade 7, or I'm really kind of connected with them more in grade 8. Because um, they split the classes around. Like It's a small school that we were in, uh, specialized in what it was, I don't remember if I said the name last time, but if I did, okay, you guys know what school it is, if not, I think it's better to keep it this way. Anyway, so grade 7, um, <clears throat> cool class, uh, a lot of good guys to hang out with, and then, y- yeah, you do stupid things, you make up stupid names, you sell, yell at each other, you do stupid stuff, you, you say insults to people that, like, you know, they, they, you know y- you're having fun on the playground with a couple of buddies, like. And the schoolyard, and one of the other kids is joining in, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm as tough as you." And then you make a thing, and next thing you know, he's he's telling a teacher on it, and it's like, "Come on, dude, really?" But then you then you think of the other point of view. It's like he was trying to be tough, and you sort of singled him out. So it's like, okay, it sucks. And then you do you do the bargaining of like, "Well, I didn't actually do this," or you know, you try you play the little lie like, well, "We didn't actually do that." We, we sort of thought about it like we made jokes, but we didn't totally do that or like we didn't follow through on it or we didn't make the threat or, you know, and you do you do stupid shit and you do stupid, really stupid stuff sometimes. It's funny because people I know who are definitely more mature than me did and uh, are people who like are seem like they would be like saints have done crazy stuff. And sometimes the people who aren't saints are the ones who are like the peace nicks who went through high school, like doing absolutely nothing and of course that's completely subjective that might only be your perspective of them and other things and now I'm actually ranting but it was so there were a couple of good guy friends I had in that and then there was uh the only game we played in that class in grade uh grade 5 uh no grade 7 um lunchtime was really into a big um one of the girls in our class was a huge connect four fan for some fucking reason, like just was crazy at connect four. And that's the game we played. So that was the game at lunch to play was connect four. Now connect four, isn't that bad of a game. I'm not that good at it, but I'm not that bad at it. But if it came to the point of view where she was the only one who could play it and you had to beat her to play somebody else, or you had to wait to play her. It's not like, Hey, me and me and Joe want to play a game of connect four. It's I have to play you and win. And then Joe can play me or Joe can play you and win. And then Joe can play me. But because you're the best in class, you get to choose. It's like I'm hosting the. I want. I want to play the next Connect Four game. Well, I'm playing it. I'm the Connect Four person. And she, this girl, I don't know if she had it out for me or what, but was re- really didn't like me in a way. And I have no idea what I really did to her. I, um, assuming I did anything to her, I don't know. Was was I a dick, or maybe it was because I was like too frail back then, maybe it's because I had screw other things were screwing up in my mind. I don't know what. Uh, maybe it was because like a couple of the two uncool kids I hung out with because they had they were funny and we did fun stuff together. I don't know. I I, I have no fucking clue. And to this day I, I look back and I was like, there's probably a reason there and it's not worth time thinking about it anymore. So we leave that and you know this is also uh note that in grade 7 was when self-esteem was really being pushed in the school system in Alberta how you need to feel good about yourself. And boy is that a fucking load of poison to give somebody who is questioning themselves at the start of f- f- like you know puberty. And then they get the self-esteem of, oh, you just need to feel good about yourself. Well, getting a 40 on a test is, doesn't make you feel good. Now that I got a 40 on a test there. <laughs> there, I was I, I was a good, I was an okay to good student. I was, well, I was, I was a ba- slightly better student, I guess. It depends, like, you know, for who I was with, I was probably, I was one of the higher scoring students in those classes. In some of the other schools, I probably would have been average, maybe even slightly below average. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on uh, it depends on the context and the place of going. But I was I was pretty good in there in my school work and it, like you know the guys we had fun with and we did real fun things and rarely ever forgot to do my homework. Rarely ever got in trouble in grade seven. and played a lot of video games and had friends at school and friends at home. Uh, friends near my house who were still from elementary. So we hung out a lot. And that was a pretty good time. That was pretty good. Um, grade seven was tough though because. Self-esteem, and I'm like, oh, if I need to feel good, then why, why is she making me feel bad, and why is this stuff going on, and all this, and I don't know why. And I, I like, oh jeez, like the gaming, the games back then, like 2000, 2001. Um, so of course, nine eleven happens uh, shortly after getting into grade seven, and that was like, holy shit, I was literally at that site a month before it happened like, I walked through the Pentagon and was at the base of um, the World Trade Center. Didn't, never went in the World Trade Centers, the original ones. I've been up to the top of one World Trade now, which uh, (laughs) is part of my hilarious uh, stupid little Facebook posts. I've only got two of them so far. A short person in a tall building. (laughs) I mean, I'm not super short, but I'm not tall either. I'm not above six feet tall, so (laughs) I always make jokes. I make jokes that I'm a short person, because I can. And I'm probably not short in certain areas, and I probably am short in in other areas in the world. So, I just like to make fun of myself in that way. (coughs) So that happened. And I was big into Command & Conquer back then, and I still am big into Command & Conquer. I haven't played Command & Conquer in a while, but it's still, like, one of my favorite game series ever made. Um like first person shooters weren't sort of a big thing yet uh i, I guess i, I had golden eye on the game on the n64 had was playing battle tanks and battle tanks 2 a lot on the n64 uh those were fun um had command and conquer on the n64 which was like cool but i can see the flaw of playing it that way um i didn't you know had had the original Turok on the n64 um did not own uh World is not enough, double seven World is not enough on the n 64 but rented it quite a lot. Um had Ocarina of Time, had had uh had Majora's Mask, had a Game Shark too. Um <clears throat> uh later had Star Fox sixty four, I believe. Uh, but I can't hundred percent I no, I don't think I ever possessed Star Fox sixty four. I think it was always a rental. Um but yeah, I had like oh yeah, had had Army Men too and uh you know, had some really fun games actually. Like some really fun uh games back then. And me and the guys would go play it, like we'd have three three or four N sixty four controllers and we'd play heavily with each other and it was it was really, really fun. Actually, <coughs> let me see if anyone's got a Mako um, pad for um, for the N sixty four. Anyone has one in stock so I can buy one. I would love to get one to see if uh any- Anyway, it's got it, cause so. Oh shit, cause that was like the cool. That was like my controller was the uh, Mako Pad sixty four controller. It was one of the best uh, game pads I think I ever played with. I'm. It definitely wasn't. Uh, <clears throat> how do I say this? Like there were. <clears throat> Uh, there were definitely better, um, like controllers for the N sixty four for other reasons, and there were better controllers in the marketplace. Uh, but it <coughs> it was a really good controller, and I did like uh, playing it, <coughs> playing with it, <coughs> just because the regular N sixty four controller was actually really, 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 really not uh, not for me. So that, that was um that was how I uh I approached things. Um uh, <clears throat> I wish they had some of them in stock. Somebody's probably got some somewhere. I'll see if uh anybody's got one. I might buy one. Uh probably can not probably going to be hard to find one just cuz it's uh it is old. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was um it was the good old days of playing that and by the way, eBay's actually become a cool little uh place to find them. Oh. A memory card. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a weird, um, weird, weird, weird place. Uh <laughs> so then um oh jeez, somebody are selling them with the original boxes. Holy crap. Um <laughs> that's that's crazy. <laughs> But uh yeah, it was it was cool. Um we played that and then um the GameCube was coming out next year. Um and I had a subscription in her power, so I had seen all the stuff that was going on and like what was what was gonna happen and you know what where was uh where were we gonna go in life? Oh man Man, I Oh I feel like I should buy this just to have it. Um. <laughs> it would be so cool to have. It's been, it's been so long since I've uh, had this controller. They were the cool. They had the best feel. Like owning it would just be cool. I think maybe I will buy it. Just ah, <laughs> uh, I might have. To, I'm gonna have to think about this. Um, but yeah. So. Um, yeah. So we were playing games, and we had other stuff to do. Um, My brother did uh, have a Dreamcast, so we were playing Tony Pro Skater 1 and 2 a lot because those were really fun to play. Um, uh, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 were also big back then. Uh, We weren't Shenmue players, and my brother was going to move out soon, so I knew that his Dreamcast eventually was going to be going to storage and probably not be accessible to me. And once the GameCube came out, um, which I played more in grade 8, um, was definitely way more fun. Um, just from the games. Uh, Army of was a fun game to play. Uh, I had the Air Assault, uh, Heli Assault, air, like the helicopter one. Nuclear Strike 64 I also had, which was really fun. Um, uh, I wish I had a copy of it now, but at the same time, it's like... It's one of those games where I've played better games in the same... Um, same genre now or better genres that it's kind of like I want to play that game but I sort of don't and I could emulate it better on um on other systems now um uh you know and, and it it was it was a fun game uh fun like having the N64 games I had I wish I had them uh, all still I like uh Star Wars Rogue Squadron had that um uh i now own star wars uh Balfour naboo uh which is great, great to play um mario never owned mario kart uh which was surprising um and i f- i did own smash bros the original smash bros uh because but uh, all my friends owned it too so it really was like when we go over to each other's places cuz all of us had n64s it was like you know everyone's got smash bros so it was kind of like you could have brought it like one of us could have brought it and every time we had games games day with each other it could have just been the same cartridge traveling between places and put pla- you know things you think about after the fact you realize that you bought four three games for three friends to play and it's like oh crap Why do we do this and of course Pokemon was big back then um, having it on the Game Boy and then the Game Boy Advance uh, which was really fun <clears throat> And my brother, uh, Pokemon cards were big back then too. Um, my brother and I were both collectors of it, even though he's five years older than me. I still have all my Pokemon cards. I don't know what he did with his. I think I just amalgamated uh, them into one collection in the end. So I think uh, most of them are his. I do have, um, I have uh, a Charizard, Blastoise, and Venusaur, and I have all the original evolution of all the starting Pokemon and original, original generation part uh, form. Um, not, like, the special editions, not, like, the first editions, not, like, any of that bullshit that's actually worth, like, a lot of money back in the early days, but, you know, I got an okay collection, I'm happy with them now. But, yeah, it was, that was a big thing. Um, so, grade seven been, um, pretty fun overall, like, grade six not having to do those stupid exams, like, the provincial exams to determine placements for some reason, even though, um there wasn't really in our school any difference in science and english and and, and in math um, there was in grade uh 10 11 and 12 but for grades 6 7 and eight, 7 8 and 9 there really wasn't um so then um in grade 7 our we did have a drama class which was first time and then uh our two are the two grade 7 classes put in a play for our parents and it was like a pretty a uh, good play uh, to some degree I got in my head that I was a better actor than I actually fucking am, and learned that later on in uh, grade nine, uh, no grade ten when I did drama uh, club in grade ten, uh, not drama club but it was in the uh, elective drama class for grade 10. Oh, which was really really taught me a lot about how like I am not good at drama at all. I'm not a natural actor. I could probably train myself to be one, but I'm just not that way. Which is funny, because I have fun doing this, and yet I listen to my voice back, and it's just boring droning, and I know the people listening to this probably feel the same way. <laughs> but that's how I remember things. Um, so then um, in grade eight, it was me, three other guys, and all the rest of the class was girls. So we had 13 students in our class, uh, which was big. So that's nine girls to, th- to um, four boys pretty insane. One of the coolest teachers I ever had was our homeroom teacher in that class, and I still say that way, because uh, it was funny, because he was in his late 20s, and I was, you know, grade 8, you're not that old. Um, you know, that's 14 years old almost. And, you know, that was 14 years old, actually. Because, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Four- <laughs> Yeah, that was that was um, no. Yeah, I was thirteen years old and blah blah blah. I can't. I've I can't believe this. I can't do math. I'm fucking stupid. Um, great. So yeah, I was thirteen year old, thirteen years old in grade eight. For some, I can't believe I can't freaking remember that. Um, but yeah, so. That was an interesting. Uh, time having a teacher who was um you know just over a decade older than me, um, who liked the same stuff that I did. Like we're not not I was not into video games, but listen to the same music I did, and like it's similar. Like a couple of guys were really musically talented. One of our guys uh, in our class was really musically talented with guitar, as our teacher was a guitarist and a bass player, so he was musically talented as well. And then there's, you know, me who's good at math and he's a math guy. And then we like listen and all three of us like punk rock and heavy metal and stuff like that. So it was kind of really, really, it's this weird bonding period where it's like you go from elementary school to grade seven where you have female teachers, which is fine. uh, But only two of them really tried to know you. And even then there was like, meh, not really I couldn't really go into depth about it because it was like, you know, you're you're a young kid, and so you don't really have much in common. And then you, and in grade eight, you're with a guy who's like, it's like, I know what you guys went through. I was the same way. I I like having fun. It's like, it was cool. One of the coolest things, um, because uh, our our class like had a dramatic split somehow, um, like a f- fish a Fisher. In the middle of it, about how we treat each other, and it just seemed like we were fragmented, because one of the girls in the class seemed uh, didn't have, this was a different girl. I don't really know, like, the phrase had it out for me was different, because she joined the school the same year I did, and f- our first year was together, second, grade seven was not, grade eight, we were now in the same class together, Um it's kind of had a weird split, went goth, sort of, uh later went goth, but not, uh, sort of started right now. And then there was, like, uh, a level of, like, I don't even want, want to say too much, but it's sort of, like, there's a bit of animosity there between the guys and the girls. And it felt like our school was, like, why don't we just give these kids a day off? Like, by that, like, we went to the fucking zoo for, in Calgary for, like, a day. We got there so early in the morning, um, like, at 9.05. Well, first we went for breakfast, and then we went to, for 9.05 to go to the zoo. And we ran around, it's like, so here's a bunch of 13 and 14 year olds running around in the kitty park in the zoo, climbing things because nobody else, practically nobody younger than us was there. And the zoo guys were like, who gives a shit, man? <laughs> and it was, just, it was hilarious looking back on that. And we had some fun, fun st- stuff, um, really fun, uh, um, Really fun science teacher, amazing, great English teacher. Um, the science teacher was was also our gym teacher, which sort of was odd. Like um, this was the post, like this was Harry Potter still was sort of becoming a. Like I think Harry Potter was just getting close to getting done around this point in time. Um, yeah. That was the last Harry Potter book. Uh, um, Uh, so yeah, when was the second book released? Uh, cause it was based on, uh, yeah, let me see. Uh, I fricking forget. Uh, cause it's, it was, um, like, so, uh, uh, like, what was it? It was, uh, you know, was that really the end novel of it? Uh, yeah, so... Okay, so that was published after I graduated. But Harry Potter was still a big thing, and, like, the effects of it was happening in the school, where um, this gym teacher liked the idea of uh, of um, splitting the school into these four houses just for fun, just, like, for events where you would get scores and blah, blah, blah. And it didn't really uh, take place. Like, it really started at the end of grade 8. and grade 9, it really... Uh, ramped up, um, and it was sort of fun. Um, sort of fun, not super fun, but it was sort of fun. Uh, like I, I, I can get where like that camaraderie of like ha- knowing kids through from grade one to grade twelve, working together uh, as like this faux house, but really the only time you meet is during like this, like every one month assembly or whatever to do stuff and pass around the trophy and blah blah blah. It was it was kind of like it was an interesting um it was an interesting thing and it was it was a good uh, school cheer sort of thing. Um I don't really know if it worked out in the long run, but I don't know if they're still doing it I think they are. Um I've been out of school in a few years. Uh just you still go back to hang out with some of the teachers and stuff like that cuz we're, we're friends and still cool, but uh it was it was an interesting um event uh style that that really happened and it really took off in grade nine. But in grade eight, so we were doing this. Um had a cool um social teacher. Um um you know co- really cool English teacher. Um science was interesting. Phys Ed was what it is. Computers um like I, I credit to the teacher in computers at at that school. Like taught me a lot of things about Excel and spreadsheets and stuff like that. Uh half of it I forgot, half of it I still use. And a lot of it I've actually had to relearn into more tense information. Um So there there was that. Um Yeah, you, know, you you have fun, you meet people that are different, you do weird things together, and you, you know, it was it was weird because cause going to that school, like you didn't really hang out after school. Like there was no way you could hang out because some of the kids were in the northeast, some were in the southeast, some were in the southwest, some were in the northeast. Yeah, like, you know, your best friend in class might live like an hour, like half an hour across the city from you. So there's no way you're really going to make time. And then it's like, oh, well, he's doing karate on Saturdays and you're you've got basketball on Sundays, So it's like it, it, it. you really made a tight bond at school, but it really didn't matter after. So you you passed around the information that you could. And of course, the internet wasn't, was really starting to get rolling and MySpace existed. And I didn't even know, I knew about MySpace, never was part of it. But the piracy of music was really catching off. So that's uh, stuff like passing around CDs and trying to then find like RAM tracks because you only made like, your allowance was like, a CD every two months uh, and the, you know you really want to listen to a bunch of different music so it was kind of hard getting that And mp3s were starting to become a thing soon well you know the, the ipad ipods were sort of becoming a thing so it was like oh let's listen to that stuff and of course right around with will walk them in first discman <laughs> freaking hilarious things those are so so there was that um and you know you you go through that, and wow, this is going to be a long episode, so I'm going to have to edit it a little bit. <laughs> so you're dealing with that, and that's that's grade eight, and you know, grade eight's just regular classes as grade seven, like regular end of the year stuff. And uh, do we really have drama? Not really. And then grade nine, of course, you've got provincial exams again that determine uh, at the end of the year where you're going to go into. And I did pretty well on my science one like very happily well in my science one um, did okay on everything else uh, I I couldn't believe um, my my science one about how um, looking back there were things I learned in grade nine that were completely wrong but it was because nobody was an expert in those fields so doing very like Wikipedia wasn't that effective back then and there wasn't a lot of online information you know, sort of learning how to use the internet <laughs> still effectively writing small essays um (coughs) really really good science teacher that year um sad that he quit and went on to become an assistant principal at a different school i think now i don't even know what he's doing now um cool guy um uh otherwise everyone else said the same uh new new social teacher was who was really really cool um he was our home room teacher and we were in the lecture theater for the school as the homeroom because they just, they needed, they needed to add an extra class. So that was how they did it. And it made sense. And he was, he was a cool teacher. So they actually added more classes and they had, they had a few more teachers and they kept adding more and more and more stuff. and it, it was, um, he was a cool guy. Um, but that was probably the hardest year of schooling for me, not regards to content, but regards to, again, like self-esteem came back and, uh, turned its ugly head and i think i've mentioned this before that our school had challenge day if anyone knows what that is take a gun put it in your mouth and pull the trigger i'm joking Uh, seriously like when you're a group of guys make it fun and like everyone's in on the joke and it's somebody from the outside who's not in on the joke who who observes it and they don't understand the context of why you're getting or why you're doing this, and they freak out. And next thing you know, there's this big, ass, um, senior high, junior high assembly about treating each other with respect for a full day. And ninety nine, pre- and like you know, you know, there were three people that actually caused a lot of the shit that made uh, senior the, uh, senior high and junior high section of the school be this way, and the elementary school that had nothing to do with this was perfectly fine. And you know there were three or four students who caused all this, and everyone else is spending the whole day being like, "Oh, fake kumbaya, kumbaya, and get in line and all this." And yeah, and I'll say this: you learned a lot of shit from Challenge Day, but it didn't change a lot because everyone's got pre preconceived notions about each other in junior high. Grade nine is one of those tough years again because you're figuring out and the the the, part, the girl who gave me shit in in grade seven was now in my class again and another girl who <coughs> i i don't know like respect her now but back then it was like what the hell is up with you and then some of the guys um who i had known uh, like earlier they were cool and then when we weren't in the same class together we became like you know it's sort of like standoffish like you, you're not cool and then coming back it was like wow, we were, we were wrong by each other, we should have been friends, and like, you know, there were fake fights, but nothing really ever went anywhere, it's like, you know, any animosity was sort of like, totally destroyed, it's like, now we're all in this together, maybe, maybe, maybe like, being dicks to each other isn't the good way to go, and that was fun, um, but boy, like, I said some stupid shit that year, I remember getting like, just, just, absolutely exhausted, because there were these kids in the grade 8 class that were just slamming everybody. Like they they only made fun of everybody. There was no um there was no way that they could uh they could be respectful to anybody and it was everybody had to be insulted. Um at this point I was playing Grand Theft Auto of Vice City a lot <laughs> on PC. So <laughs> you know going from that was my rage uh deployment source to um <coughs> you know playing that and playing Command & Conger. And then dealing with this BS and these f- f- three stupid kids who, like, um, they just were jerks. And the only time you dealt with them was in gym class. So it's kind of like, oh, well, it doesn't seem like much. And it's just like, but it gets annoying when you're playing a game and they're always after you. They're on the same team and they're treating you and they're they're sabotaging you. It's kind of like, oh, man, maybe you shouldn't take it so seriously. So, but I did say some stupid shit. And I, I remember at one point, like, I... I I said something about, I'm a, I'm a suicidal maniac. Like, I just want to kill myself. And it's like, my homework teacher was like, maybe you should go to the hospital. I was like, oh, F no, I'm not that crazy. And like it was just like, just give me 30 minutes to calm down and this will be completely over. And I felt like just terrible a lot of time. Like, I'd just be sad at the end of school day and really just exhausted and beaten down. And And I think it was just sort of like, there's people in my class who just don't respect me. There's people like the school like I, I it felt like everything was falling in in a way. Um like my home life was still pretty good. My family was still doing pretty good. But the few friends I had were definitely falling apart. I had very little f- like the friendships at school were sort of like more détente alliances like we're not we're just sort of at peace with each other, but at a moment's notice we'll go to war. <laughs> And it just felt like there was no real improvement. The few friends we had, the 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 only two friends I had in my class, well, actually the only three friends I had in my class, we were we were completely the outsiders of it. We were not the cool kids, which is we was weird to think about it, um, because there were less cool kids in our class, but we were the ones that were ostracized. At least from our perspective, I could be completely wrong on that. And I know that some of the other kids definitely turned back around and again throughout the year, things became better and not as douchey and not as stupid and it became more comedic. uh there was one kid who from grade eight and grade nine um was like going back it's like I don't know something was wrong with him um and I don't know any story beyond that. I just know that he was like this he was just wasn't that great of a person from my perspective. Like, I don't know anything about his private life or anything like that. I just remember him being weird. But, you know, still had friends, still gamed, um, still hung out. Um uh But also in grade eight, moved. And that brings a... No, grade nine we moved. Um, my family moved from inside Calgary to outside. So now it became a hard thing of... Um, various other problems going on and various other things and stupid stuff like that. And it was just really, really funny. And, you know, one day we, uh, um, what was it? Um, God, what happened? Um, I forget, but it was like, I forgot to do this homework, uh, for science class. And science class was the last class of the day and you would input and the teacher would input. If you forgot to do your homework, you go to d- detention. Um, uh, the problem was, is that time, uh, science teacher would input the stuff in but it wouldn't really count until tomorrow. So the day I was late and left it up, I got it all done and handed it back in and was cleaned everything up and we actually I, you know I was <clears throat> the best student in science class and that was the only real fault to me. But I went upstairs because I knew today was the only day I could like tomorrow my parents were out of town and my brother was very busy. like he, he had a job and he, uh, he had to come pick me up at 3:30 tomorrow like the next day, no matter what, there was no, event for the rest of the week, like my parents were out of town and Matt was only coming by then. And then he dropped me off at home, uh, drop me off at home. Um, may, we'd make a uh, dinner and then he'd leave at five o'clock to go, do, go to his work, um, go to do some, or go hang out with his friends. Cause he worked during the day. So it was the thing of like, I only had one chance to get a ride home and nobody else lived nearby me. So it was kind of like, I can't F that up. I have to be, I have to hitch a ride with Matt no matter what. So then um, I run upstairs and be like, do I have detention? The detention is just like, no, you don't. You're fine. Perfect. (laughs) Great. Go home. Next day, Justin, you have detention today. I can't stay. Well, you have to because it's detention, which brings up another thing of like how detention really is more of a punishment on the family than it is the student. Like detention at lunch, like you can't go out and have games, you can go have lunch, but you have to work at lunch and your stuff make way more sense. So that was my compromise of like, I said to my home teacher, listen, my family's out of town, my brother's the only one here, and he has other stuff going on, and he's got this 30 minute window to come pick me up and he doesn't have any extra time after that. Like, I have to catch a ride with him at 3.30, or I'm not, or like, you know, I'm hooped, and have to, like, you know, I got no money. I have no, like, I didn't have a wallet. This was a time where I've, if I had a cell phone, which I probably did, I probably didn't at that point have a cell phone, and I didn't know my brother's cell phone number, so if if anything was changing, I had no idea about it. I just knew I had to be outside, the school at three thirty when he would come pick me up um so it was this thing of like I have to I have to go home like my parents aren't here no and I can't really describe um for some reason I couldn't describe how to get to my house how to drive to my house so it's like and now I think it back like probably one of the teachers would have driven me no problem at all I had no I never bothered to ask but you know they also had lives and uh, they probably stuck around. Some of them stuck around to three, three till four, thirty, five, six, whatever. And you know, if I have a twenty-minute detention, to stay till four o'clock, and then it's like, oh well, I got no way to get home. That kind of really sucks. And it really sucked for a lot of students at school because a lot of them took buses, and now the parents had to find their way out. My thought is the lunch hour was a better compromise. Like you, don't, you have to go to cl- the detention room and work on schoolwork. Now, what was really stupid is is that... um, So there was that um, shit. And I know I'm going long on this. But I just remember it because it was like, this was a thing. This was like really bad. And so I made the compromise to stay in homeroom at lunch uh, and just completely work on homework. Now, the rule was I was supposed to work on homework that I had to have done. That was like I had missed. Well, the problem was is that... After missing that single day, the first detention day that I didn't go to because it got updated the next day, I had already done the homework and handed it in. So the English teacher, so the science teacher's like, "You've, you've done your work. That's fine by me, by me. And then it was like, but because my name went into the detention system, I had to still stay. So I stayed and I worked on social homework and got that done. And which was interesting because grade nine, I read the Communist Manifesto and I thought I was a communist. And looking back, I was not a communist, but I was also watching a lot of Family Guy back then. And Futurama (coughs) had the first three seasons of Futurama on DVD back then. And like the first three seasons of Family Guy and was really watching that. And that was very funny. Family Guy, um, my brother and I didn't discover until the trip to um, Washington in 2001, which was shortly after, shortly before it was canceled. So uh, it turns out like one of the few episodes we ever watched of family guy was like late in the third season. We had no idea. We just knew it was like always going to be on and then it wasn't on. And we finally like a few weeks after it wasn't on this day because we watched like three episodes in Calgary. uh, Before we got back and we're like the school year started and it's like there's no episodes. Why is it not on? This was the time it's supposed to be on. And finally Matthew's like, let's just go check on the uh, Fox website. Cancelled. It was just Cancelled like what that was um that was a really weird event when family guy got canceled and it was really funny when it came back (laughs) so um yeah so then um grade nine goes a long way through and finally get to the end of it and of course there's the stupid jokes and the stupid shit that you pass along with friends and doing this and finally get through to the end of that and and you move into high school, which I'm saving for another episode because high school is actually pretty fun. Uh, university ain't worth talking about. <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, uh, the interesting thing is is that that one girl who treated me like crap, technically, f- uh, I don't want to say technically, like, because I'm not sure, um, but I don't, f- um, just from the uh, posted marks of the departmentals, I don't think she passed grade nine according to the Alberta government. Uh, and, and she was reintegrating into the public system. So, uh, But I don't even think it was like an official reintegration. I think the parents were just like, if this isn't working, get her out. Because at the end of the year, there's always a reintegration and a goodbye ceremony for teachers that are leaving and students that are leaving. And none, and the people who left weren't uh, from grade nine to grade 10. Like half of them who left were not part of that ceremony. They just, I think they just the parents just pulled them out like it's not worth Spending the money to send them to this private school, and they're not even trying. And I can completely get that. I can completely get that, considering how much money you're spending, plus the taxation of going to schools, plus paying for the busing and all this other stuff you have to pay for. It totally made sense. Now, one of the other events I do remember explicitly from grade nine, which was really funny. Um, and I, this is also an event I remember from grade eight. So there are two different events. Uh, both happened in English class. Um, with the, the cool English teacher who has passed away, he was a really cool dude, introduced me, to, introduced me and a f- couple of the other guys to the clash because he grew up in that era and he was a cool guy and he also was a very... Um, he was a very smart man where he uh, questioned the right things, but he was a moral person. He had this general moral ability... Uh, like this moral compass that was like 100% like locked in he um, to things that really matter like you know doing this and this is absolutely wrong there were things that's like do we really need to punish people for things that actually don't harm anybody but there's good reasons not do it he was like he was definitely from the hippie generation who probably did drugs I uh, probably did some sort of stuff I don't know. Um, the only thing I knew about him back then was he was a smoker. So, you know, smoking cigarettes. And quite a few of our teachers in school were cigarette smokers. Who cares? Um, but he was also a very enlightened man when it came to, like, questions about anything. And he was um, he was just... You don't think of the old English teacher as a cool teacher in, high, in junior high and high school. And he was. He absolutely was that way. And now next year, he went and did taught grade six Uh, for grade 10. He went and taught grade six, which was actually a brilliant move by him because he just he was tired at the end of grade nine because of um, the grade 10s were having issues. Some of the grade 12s were being jerks uh, and various other things. And and he felt the grade eights were just being exhausting because he was a really good teacher. Um, But (laughs) so in grade eight, I remember one time the sun was coming in. Uh, the classroom in a way to create near god ray like event in the um in in the windows, and I had a giant dictionary open, and like uh, the way I looked just seemed like I was a holy person reading things and I was just completely reading the dictionary, and I just wanted to stand in the sunlight because it was warm and it was just one of those moments of like that's really, really, really cool also in grade nine I decided I'd start playing with videoing, and boy, did I learn that i I, I I think I have a skill for cinematography, but I'm not competent enough to really utilize that skill as well as it, it. Just it needs more practice. I understand what I want to film and I understand how to film that, but any technical skills past that I have not developed yet, because it's sort of been like a little thing I do on the side. Barely ever do it, and because I'm only started playing with DaVinci Resolve, I really haven't thrown the time in on it. So that was the grade eight event. Grade nine. Um, this one student, we were uh, me and my friend were sitting on one table, and the student in front of us, he was sort of a friend, but also making fun. And we were having this like back and forth in class, and then it became the point of he said, "I bet you won't slam this table at me. I dare you to, <laughs> you too. And uh, me, I looked at my friend right next to me, and I'm like, "Well, we'll do it right now." And he's like, "Okay, fine." And it's like it wasn't that hard of a push. Like we just pushed him into it, not like slammed him, but just pushed into it. And I remember uh, English teacher being like, "Wow, you you should all go to timeout, (laughs) and get in trouble." But (laughs) to be honest, all of you were dicks. So I'd send you there, and was like, "Who's at fault?" Everybody is. (laughs) So he kind of like just like he was pretending to write us up slips, and then he's like, he wrote us up slips, and then he ripped on Barton and said, "What's the point? What's the point? Punishing you guys for." one slip up in the entire year <laughs> which was just really funny he's like just you know sort of that way of doing it i just remember that event being that way and then um <coughs> i we read the time machine in grade 9 H.G. Wells's time machine which was a quite a good book and um as science fiction goes uh, it was it was a fun book to read and we watched both the movies, which was um really interesting. Um the original movie and then the uh the later one with uh Guy Pierce in it. Um I I remember the Guy Pierce one way better because the original one was more um closer to the book, but also had weird, like <coughs> how they played things through. And I guess like my imagination is when I was reading that book, I missed a lot of stuff. So then when I saw the movie, I'm like, I had no idea that's what it looked like and blah, blah, blah. No, this, we had art classes too and I'm I'm not an artist in the way of like drawing. I could, I would make little um, square comic book things and I think I have a few of them somewhere at my parents' house. Um, (laughs) Fairly certain. Like I created this character called um, Jin. J-I-N, I I don't know why. Um, uh, You know, Jin the Broken Man was his name. And what it was is a stick man, except none of his sticks are together. Like his torso is one stick, his legs are separated and floating, his arms separate, his head's floating. And it's just like the comedy of like Jin is just like he's a broken man, but he's only broken in the sense of like his body is separated from each other, but nothing else is bad. Like it, the, the day just goes well. And in grade nine, we made really hilarious. um using microsoft powerpoint and various things we made funny little cartoons during that um totally should have got in trouble but really really funny stuff like jumping up and down on a uh on a trampoline and then the trampoline breaks your leg or uh or getting hit by <laughs> an ambulance like just really 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 stupid little things and making stupid little videos like uh um one of the videos me and uh my friend tried to make was called shingle uh, i was making fun of um the online movie doom house, which was like just a really, really, really like it was done in a way that was supposed to be, um, supposed to be like this really terrible, like, so it's it was on something awful. Um, I think it's still there. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, it was just this really, 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 um, really funny, fake video of like this guy moves into this house continuity continuity errors all over the place like complete continuity errors like the guy walks up the door with two bags uh he the next shot he's in the, the scene in the same shot uh no bag different hat different shirt um next thing different pants same hat uh, no shirt or like different shirt, like uh, and then different bag, like it goes from a hand like a handbag to a backpack to like no bag at all. Um, different vehicle that he drove in. A D- doorbell opens up. Uh, this is my new home, and it's like this a doll is haunting this house, and it was just meant to be like this really funny, hilarious, like continuity errors on purpose, um, funny stuff. And we tried to make a video like that. Um, where my friend was like he he moved into the new house. And it was like, the house is haunted and like microwaving M&Ms. And, and, uh, and this one knife kept trying to chase him around the house. And then the next door neighbor was crazy. Like, I I hope I haven't said this before. But it was like, I'd walk in on the scene. Cause I play the next door neighbor, even though it was at my house, we filmed it. It was like, I'm your next door fricking neighbor. And then next scene, I'd be shirt off as like, like he'd come in a next door neighbor. But he'd always walk in frame like a next door neighbor. <laughs> It was really funny. I wish I had the videotapes from that. Uh, yeah, you need a next door neighbor, don't you? And then it would all of a sudden be like, like, what do you do, next door neighbor? Got to go run down the street, yelling, yelling back. That I'm gonna kill, like kill him, sort of. It, we, we never went anywhere, and we called the video shingle, and it never got finished. Um, because we had back then editing videos was expensive, technically, and we had no knowledge of how to like get video from the tape on camera to put it on um on a computer and we didn't understand how much that would have spent. So going looking back it's like, ooh, good thing we never did anything like that. But yeah. That was that was uh yeah grade seven to grade nine. Uh there's a there's a short little uh, jump on there. Also, uh grade seven, I learned I loved Harvey's hamburgers here in Calgary, uh through Canada. And I still do. And they had some, and they still have some of the best pickles on hamburgers I've ever had. <laughs> nice little tidbit. So anyway, this was suicidal salami, uh, June twenty second, two thousand nineteen. I guess I should finish this up. Um, <clears throat> I'll do a quick little edit of it. I'm not gonna. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, this will be up very shortly. Uh, you know, thanks for tuning in and listening. I uh, hope you tune in next time to listen to another episode of Stories in the Crisper Drawer. This is Ja, signing off. Bye.